0: everyone. I'm very excited to welcome you to this episode of MEPRA's The Brief podcast. I'm your guest host, Kate Mattoon, a MEPRA executive board member and the CEO at Acorn Strategy. Today, we'll be speaking with Mazin Nahawi, founder and group CEO of Karma, as well as the executive board member at MEPRA, Elise Miss, global communications measurement manager and double gold AMEC award winner for global communications measurement and evaluation. And last but not least, Annabel Amen, who is the global head of client experience with us at Acorn Strategy. Our discussion today aims to shed light on the importance of measurement and how it how it's an integral part of what we do within the communications industry. So a very big welcome to Mazin, Elise and Annabel. It's great to have you all here today. So firstly, I'm going to kick off with... What does measurement in PR and communications mean to you? We have three very diverse speakers. So we have, um, and we have Annabelle from agency side, we have Mazen from the supplier side and Elise from client side as well. So we have some different perspectives. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Elise, because I think, um, you know, it's always really interesting to hear from client side on what measurement means and, um, you know, the kind, of, uh, the kind of expectations clients have on measurement as well. Sure. I mean, my drive is that everyone has a
1: story. And I love to listen and analyze these stories to produce actionable insights, because a lot of my background is consumer insights. And I pivoted to the media industry in 2019. So whether it's consumer, media, or within organizations to create more human-centric workplaces, it's insights and stories that really Drive me, and I think this is what leads to better business decisions,
0: and it's how we improve how we communicate. Yeah, amazing. That's um, and so in your view, then how does um, how does measurement help bring out some of those human centric stories, or um, help us to elevate those further?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to listening, breaking down the silos. That's a huge one. Um, I think, especially as the media is changing. The landscape is changing. We have to work across teams and working at a big global organization. It's absolutely critical because it's not only media measurement, it's, it's digital, it's owned, it's SEO, it's consumer insights. It's actually a range of different disciplines coming together. So I think breaking down the silos and talking to people and really understanding the why. And I think it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of listening because a lot of the time you'll get the question, well, I just want some insights. Can you get me some insights? I'd like some data. Give me some data. <laughs> so you really have to try and understand, okay, what are the objectives? What are you trying to do and and help, help stakeholders?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of familiar statements in there, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, those setting the objectives from the outset makes such a big um, difference to how you, how you end up measuring and how you end up, um, you know, um, deciding what success looks like, Annabelle. Can we go to you next? What does measurement mean to you?
2: Well, um, I think measurement has always been for a long, long time. Especially my background is heavily in in PR, and for a very long time, it was always you know how can we sort of justify our value, um, especially when it came to competing marketing spend, um, and often we were kind of an afterthought. And being a passion passionate PR practitioner I was you know I feel that value comes heavily from you know amazing value comes from PR so measurement was actually something that was really I think a constant struggle we were constantly looking for ways in which we could actually um, measure our success and and kind of justify why we needed to be in the boardroom so um, for me measurement's really really key Um, I think it's only got better over the years, but for, for a good 20 years, it was, it's always been a struggle, but I think we are in a much better space at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a a key part in influence there when you've got the data you can, or when you've got something to back it up, um, you know, it makes it a lot easier to justify, doesn't it? And Mazen, I know uh, you and I have had many, many conversations about measurement. Um, So I'm going to hand over to you. What does measurement mean to you?
3: Well, it means a lot, and uh, I think in my mind, it comes down to two important factors. One would be underpinning all public relations and communications practice within a process of excellence. If you go to a factory, if you go to an automotive plant, to a microchip organization, to a consulting firm, to an accounting firm, none of them can function properly without a diligent and disciplined process. In PR, we all come back from an artsy culture, and we all like to think that we are beyond tech driven processes and uh, scientific approaches to our work. But actually measurement is where the science meets the art and from planning properly, identifying, have I tested my message before I've even taken it to market? Have I done a panel or a focus group to evaluate whether that message might even work before I create it in a boardroom and send it out there? Have I done my homework on who are my audiences for that particular message? Because there is no one size fits all. Have I done my homework on what are the right platforms, social, traditional, search, to make sure that the audiences are properly tied in? So from The pre-planning, the execution and the evaluation measurement is first and foremost, PR working at the foremost and highest levels of discipline. And that's why we find the best PR experts worldwide are always the ones who invest most in measurement and evaluation. The second most important point in my view is that measurement is your way of discovering the truth. And when we look at our profession and I consider measure as PR professionals, they're not sort of an adjacent element to it. And that's why I insist on the majority of my team being PR people, um, not techies or engineers of which we have plenty, but the decision makers and the creators and the thinkers must be people who've worked in PR for the better part of their career, including myself. It's a way of telling the truth. And um, in PR today, there's a lot of us who are being pushed to tell stories which are a little bit fanciful, a little bit exaggerated, a little bit challenging. I'd hate to be Vladimir Putin's PR agent at the moment (laughs) or anyone like that. But I think whatever industry you're in, pursuing transparency in your product in your service and connecting to your audiences in a way which reaches their minds and their hearts and ultimately their behavior is something that needs to be measured. Are we actually making a difference? And that is a moment of truth, which I believe everyone in PR should always strive to achieve. Have we changed minds? Have we changed behavior? And it's a simple yes or no at the end of it.
0: Amazing. Thank you for that. I think um, it's really interesting to hear those three different perspectives and going from, you know, um, getting to the why and being human centric and having that human element and telling really great stories to, you know, having a huge amount of influence and having processes of excellence and we're not a science uh where and we're not quite marketing and we don't have you know those all of those easy easy stats that we can pull on um but then also you know getting to the moment of truth and having um large amounts of influence on the narrative and and what is heard externally of our organizations it's a really really big remit um so we know that it takes a lot of work and we know that it you know there's there's a lot of research required in terms of um people who have tight budgets and they don't have a lot that they can get to you know they maybe they they don't have research departments or they don't have teams that can develop these what are your go-to measurement tools for this um Annabelle can I start with you on that one yeah sure um Look, I think, um, you know, if we're talking, you know, if I think there's different
2: levels in terms of, um, you know, if, if there is, for instance, you know, you don't have media monitoring um, and so you have very limited um, awareness as to data and so forth and those vanity metrics, then if I was to just choose, um, you know, one approach that I feel that requires very little budget, that is to make sure that you actually are setting that that quality criteria in line with. Organizations' um, objectives. I think that's. I think that's key. I think making sure that you are focused on the strategy and making sure that, say, for instance, your your PR coverage is actually in line with the communication objectives of the strategy that you're implementing. So, you know, uh, that quality criteria would, of course, then go back and you make sure that you're measuring against those objectives, such as if you are trying to raise the profile of um or positioning of a, of a brand within a certain sector, then making sure that that PR coverage is is gaining quotes with all the, of their execs. Um, and, and making sure that the quality of that coverage is actually achieving those communication objectives and those business goals as a whole versus the vanity metrics of impressions and and so forth. Let's be really targeted. Let's make sure that we're actually having organisational impact that is making a difference. Um, and those that, you know, that's ultimately collecting that coverage and, and making sure that you are, you are ticking those boxes and making sure that you are always reverting back to those objectives is, um, is a great way, especially when
0: you're on a, a tight budget. Absolutely. And how, do, how do you see ABEs playing into that? Uh, I have a big passionate no
2: for ABEs, ABEs, <laughs> um, yeah. It's like the the days of getting the ruler out, uh, long gone. Um, yeah, I mean the, there's just no comparison in terms of, um, obviously having an advertorial versus, um, you know, editorial in, um, you know, there's just no comparison. So for the fact that we're even putting ourselves through that pain, when we're trying to educate the entire industry, that, that there is just so much more power in PR than, um, just a flat out, um, advertorial or advertising, um, I say hundred percent, let's leave that out. Um, and, um, <laughs> let's think of new ways to actually showcase our words, um, cause there's plenty up there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, um, Mazen. I know you have very strong views on AVEs as well. But just in general, um, in terms of your views on what is, you know, what do you do when you don't have a large budget, but you still want to have that power, excellence, and influence over what you're what you're producing?
3: Well, two very important points. Uh, I'll quickly go through AVE to limit my bashing of them. Um, obviously, they are not a an appropriate way of measuring public relations performance, if you have a clip with negative content or negative sentiment, what are you going to do? Uh, Put a negative AVE and pay the paper for it? Um, Or if you're one line out of 400 lines in an article, are you going to create a really complex algorithm at one over 400 multiplied by XYZ? We actually have a bit of a competition within Karma where we look at a a number of uh, our friends whose AVEs uh, exceed the GDPs of certain European economies. And we always have an internal bet on who's going to have the biggest AVE number at the end of the year. Uh, Unfortunately, AVEs continue to exist and we continue to encourage all of our partners to just leave them alone. There are many other ways of doing measurement effectively. I think the important part for us leaders within the industry is not just to bash AVEs, but to show the way to something better. And I think that's where everyone within Amec, uh, FIBAP, uh, MEPRA, PRCA, we need to do a better job at showing the way to better metrics. It's easy to bash one bad metric. It's not that easy to change the mind of someone in Tokyo or in Paris. Um, who is highly influenced by the accountants and must show an AVE. It's part of their reporting mechanism. So that's my point on AVE. With regards to a tool, let me start by saying I believe measurement is a discipline. Measurement isn't a tool. There are tools within measurement which are important. I love Annabelle's point about starting with your objectives. I won't add to it. In terms of a functional tool, I'm a big fan of the Amec framework. I think the best minds in the industry managed to get together. And trust me, it was harder than an Arab-Israeli peace conference. But we got Helen and Knowlton and Weber Shandwick, all of the big measurati, the, the measurement uh, uh, specialists, academics. And we talked about it and we argued about it for a number of years. And great credit to everyone in AMEC who finally came out of the Barcelona principles and followed that up. With the Amic framework, it's a simple roadmap that anyone can use. It's free; it can be downloaded from the Amic website. It's not for profit, and you can plug in whatever data you have. It could be data from your website. It could be data from your sales. It could be, you know, doing a free survey with your internal staff or your clients. It could be setting up Google Alerts just to find at least some of the coverage which you've got. But that journey from output which is what coverage is out there, to outtakes, what people believe, to outcomes, how they've behaved, is a simple roadmap that you can simply follow, input whatever data you have, and come out, come out with a very good result, um, which can be shared internally and externally, and support your decision-making.
0: Amazing. Thank you. And Elise, um, we'd love to hear from you on what you think. Um, if, if you had a tight budget that you needed to um, to be measuring your outputs, how would you go about that? What tools? Would yeah. You
1: I mean, at my current workplace, I'm very lucky that, that I have lots of opportunities with the budget to work across different teams, but I've had lots of experiences in the past where I've had very little budget or no budget at all, whether that's media or consumer insights. And I think There's a lot that you can do, it goes back to your objectives. It's always understanding, and and these are smart objectives, because sometimes you can hear an objective like, I want to increase awareness, brand awareness. Well, how how much do you want to increase awareness? And really, I think working with the teams to properly define those objectives as well, And, and also just understanding your audience. There's a lot you can do. I mean, when I worked in the the Nestle cereal industry, uh, a lot of what we were doing was all about, uh, pester power and the kids cereal and, you know, asking mom and dad to get the cereal. And a lot of it was just understanding how do the kids play? You know, there's a promotion in the box. How do they play? And I just started inviting kids to the office and they could bring all their favorite toys and they could come and play. We'd have a bit of ice cream, we'd have a bit of fun. And that was incredibly insightful because we could see how kids were playing and how they interacted and what excited them. And that was absolutely free. <laughs> so I think depending on what you're trying to achieve and your objective, there's there's a lot that you can do and it doesn't necessarily have to come with the budget. There's lots of tools that are available now. Um, and I think to the point before, you know, go to the AMEC website. Take a look at the free tools that are available. I mean, we use the Amex integrated evaluation framework and we adjusted it to make it work for us. So that's free, that's available. I've also said the 22 reasons to say no to AVEs, Richard Bagnall's article. That has gone to, I think, every single person I've ever worked with <laughs> because I work in a big global organization too. So people are constantly coming in and out. And when I started back in 2019, AVEs were in every report, Uh, so it was a common, uh, I don't even know what to call it, flawed metric that was being used, and it took a lot of education, and it's constant education, and I think the key point is also to come with a solution. Here are 22 reasons why we shouldn't use AVEs, and here are some things that we can use instead, because then I think people are more open. You can't just say we can't use it. And leave it there, but let's look at some metrics that aren't necessarily AVE or have this big money figure attached to it that means nothing, but instead the objectives and what you're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And having that organizational impact as well. I think, you know, we quite often hear that there is, um, you know, the biggest barrier to measurement is around the cost associated with it. But I think as long as you're bringing it back to the objectives and, you know, you, you then assign, um, you know, ways of measuring that, that, you know, they might not be perfect, but they're a good start anyway. And they're not, they don't have to be AVs um so in terms of we we did discuss a little bit there about the Barcelona principles as well and um and Amex measurements I think they're they've been incredibly useful and you know of course as well having something to refer to outside of the organization to send to clients that's always really useful or to be able to influence people internally on what best practice looks like but in terms of um the impact on your organization your understanding in the industry how influential have the Barcelona principles principles been to you. Um, actually, that's a, I think a good one to start with you as well, Elise. Sure. I mean, we we definitely follow all of them. The first one, the
1: importance of goal setting and measurement. It comes down to the brief. We've spent a lot of time uh, fine tuning our brief to be able to get the answers and information and insights from our audiences to understand what we have to do ahead of time. So I think don't don't. Uh, lose time on that on that first part really dedicate your time talk to people understand what they're trying to do develop your briefs that it's easy to get the information as well because everyone is so busy and they don't have time and you know make it easy for people I think Um, so so this is one point that we do daily for every single uh, measurement requirement the brief and understanding it You know, another one is social measure can and should be measured be, and I think it's even beyond the social media now, right? I mean, with, with the media changing, the landscape changing. So I think really going back to my point before, but collaborating with different teams. Uh, in the organization because that can often understand your why. You've got SEO teams working behind the stories. You've got digital teams. You've got your owned media. So it's really consolidating and collaborating and bringing those insights together. Um, And I just think, yeah, transparency and reliability. We talk a lot about storytelling, but you also have to have the measurement behind it. I think PR professionals can be very Very good with telling stories, but really understand the insights and the data that goes into a story and it will be so much more meaningful to the business. And I think at the end of the day, it will really help PR professionals understand what they need to improve and how they can communicate better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've seen the um, the results of that firsthand as well through your, um, through your awards as well. So congratulations for that. And um, I think you've touched on some really important things. And I think a lot of what you've spoken about today has also been around the pre-planning and the not rushing into things to just get it done for the sake of doing it. It's about making sure you're going into it with the right mindset and, um, and the right goals and making sure you know what success looks like before you start running as well, which is equally important. I think also, well, you know, it's such a big part of the task more than being equally important. So Mazen and Annabelle, do you have anything else that you would add to that? Um, yeah, I mean, the Barcelona Principles
2: has actually been really, really, over the last eight years for us at Acorn Strategy, really, really, um, uh, important and impactful. Um, we um, in 2010, when the Barcelona principles were uh, announced, we used those to actually develop, uh, I guess, the first model, which was the PR impact score, and that that was the you know tone and key messages, um, and and which target media were were captured. Um, so. And and that ended up being you know really successful, and our clients loved it because it was something that you know we could actually provide some some form of measurement and evaluation um, for each clipping, just beyond AVEs and so forth. So some deeper insights, and of course that's developed so much more since then. And um, and for us at Acorn, we we also use just like uh, yourself, Elise. We we've, we've definitely used that integrated evaluation framework and and love that. Um, especially when measuring campaigns and projects where it's sort of that um, beginning and end. And uh, it's a fantastic framework. In fact, we use that as well for our planning to really sort of, we're starting to really shape a lot of our um, teams to look at that framework when developing campaigns. So they're really thinking about all facets um, to make sure that, you know, whatever campaign we're developing for our clients is is really award-winning and and has uh, all the important elements uh, that go, goes into uh, an award-winning campaign. Um, and we also use um, a media content um, analysis model as well, uh, which goes back to my point about um, establishing some pre-de- predetermined, if I can get that out, um, uh, quality criteria in line with uh, the objectives of our clients. So um, that also includes, um, you know, you sort of, your metrics around vanity metrics, are typical vanity metrics, but also, of course, those um, objectives. Um, so we have, yeah, we have a space for three times, you know, quality criteria in line with our clients' objectives to make sure that we're always objective driven and our clients can really see that we're actually um, driving organisational impact for them. Um, so there's some of the key, I guess, key areas that we're really, our line of principles has been really, um, you know, extremely helpful
0: for us as an agency. Azan, did you have something you wanted to add there?
3: Well, the advantage of coming at the end of a series of questions, I have very little to say, but I, I will add two little points. One would be always make sure that you have a very good analyst on your account or on your client's account. You can have all of the tools, content, and technology in the world. If they're not being stitched together, by a very good analyst who has a cultural, economic, and financial understanding of the business, whether your own or of the clients, then it's irrelevant what kind of tools you're playing with. You need very good human intelligence to make a difference over here. Um, And there are other elements to that, including curating information. There's so much automated nonsense out there. You need a bit of curation to filter away that nonsense and focus on quality and relevant information. The other point is fight for more budget. Never think of your measurement budget as a percentage of your PR or agency retainer with your client, or if it's an in-house or internal client, it's not just about your internal or external campaigns. It's about the reputation of the organization. And when you use that language with a chairman or with a CEO, in my mind and in their mind, you're no longer talk, talking PR measurement. You're talking research, you know, reputational tracking. And when you talk to them in those terms, budget frequently is no longer an issue. Uh, a big mistake I find, particularly with agencies who are always under pressure from their clients. Say you've got a retainer for $50,000 a month. They'll think, okay, my measurement should be five to 10% of that. Well, why? That's almost sort of the AVE of budgets. (laughs) Um, And what you really want to do is say, what am I trying to learn and understand? What am I trying to measure from a behavioral and reputational perspective? And actually, let that budget come from the CEO's office or from the research office or be shared across marketing, comms, and social. Um, You have a lot of great organizations where that, approach and that ethic is in fact followed within the comms department and budget isn't an issue. But that's the minority. The majority always try to squeeze a lot out of nothing and it never really works. So uh, I would encourage everyone to always try to show the value of the research. If the value is enormous, measuring a reputation and understanding why, fight for the budget. But if you're just trying to get you know 20 clips from a single press release, then don't fight for the budget. Just figure a way to make it come to you affordably and at low cost.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, so. We, you you mentioned there about the analysis and and making sure that you're putting the work in to actually understand what the results mean as well. Um, I'd love to hear from you, Mazen, about um, where you've seen some of the best results in that area, and um, you know what what is uh, you know one of the best examples you've ever seen of measurement in practice. I think we've spoken a lot about you know the ideas around um, measurement and um, you know the the ideas around what we can be doing. But um, what did that actually look like in reality? And so have you got an example of a time where that's been exceptionally done?
3: Um, I haven't got my NDA signed. (laughs) But I mean, hopefully Elise won't mind us saying that, you know, we've done wonderful work with PMI. And, uh, um, you know, working together to uh, submit those awards to AMEC and getting good results out of them has been an example of doing it well. Um, I think the UK government evaluation framework is a shining example of how to do it on a public service level, and that's publicly available, so I'm not, you know, violating any confidentiality over there, but it's a very good way of anyone trying to reach the public to put an integrated approach and measuring it effectively and affordably. Um, I have to say B2B is really leading the way in measurement at the moment. I think a lot of B2C is caught in the methods of the past. Um, but B2B, especially in new areas like in crypto and in fintech, with a real dedication on doing things in a in an effective way and informing leadership decision making. Um, I think we are really entering a golden age of what I would not just call measurement, but PR research. Because really that's what we're talking about. Measurement is you know, measuring something. PR research is much more substantive and i think uh, the budgets which we're saying the number of clients who we're saying the number of chairmen ceos ministers prime ministers kings presidents who are demanding research around their reputation and their communications activity it's skyrocketing because people now realize data is important we've reached that point now we're going to another level it's not just data which is important, insights are important. Um, the availab- avail- availability of data is growing rapidly, but the the quality insights, which you can interpret and extract are still quite difficult to get. And you need specialized people who, who can do that. So I feel PR research is going to be at the heart of every successful organization. And we're at the beginning of that hockey stick in terms of its adoption worldwide.
0: Yeah, fantastic. We look, I think we all look forward to that, um, Elise. In terms of your experience, is there some uh, is there a particular project or something that you've worked on where you see that there's been um, a really great example of measurement in practice? I think the key word
1: is integration. So it's not just uh, your traditional media measurement in isolation, but integrating it across the business and with all of the other platforms, communication platforms, and teams that are involved in that. And I think the level of sophistication is improving. Stakeholders always want everything in real time. It's like if they did it five minutes ago, they were in six minutes, you know, they just want it in real time. So I think it also goes back to just understanding the project management triangle of speed, quality, and cost. And then it goes back to your objectives. What are you trying to do? And then explaining what you can deliver with that project management triangle. I think that's that's a big one. And I, I agree with the point there's a demand for insights. It's not measurements in my case, in my workplace, and I think in a in a lot of places, we have way too much data. So much data. That's that's actually the problem. We have way too many, too much data, way too many dashboards. So it's about understanding the objectives, what we're trying to do, and then taking a few pieces of data to connect the story and make the insights. And I think that's what really takes the time as well. It's not instant. So if you want something in real time, you may get a couple of quick insights, you may get a dashboard, a little bit of data, but if you want a real story and strong insights, that takes time. So I think that's, that's the big thing to keep in mind, but integration, there's a demand for insights. And then I think also taking the time to reflect on what you've learned, that, that's a big one for me because we work with so many markets around the world. You can't necessarily benchmark because there are different objectives in different markets. You can't always benchmark, but you can look at case studies and understand certain markets and you know what did they do and how did they achieve that success and can other markets replicate that? So I think, again, it's collaboration as well. are talking to people, connecting
0: the dots as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Annabelle, do you have any great examples of measurement in practice? Hopefully you have a few. <laughs> You're on mute there. Yeah, I've,
2: uh, certainly. We, um, you know, as I said, we, we've been introducing more and more um, measurement models and frameworks over the last couple of years. Um, And, um, we actually, we launched the, uh, media specifically the media content analysis model, um, at the recent PRIA, um, awards at the end of last year, uh, which was an exciting thing to be able to, um, utilize within our our measurement and evaluation of, of our campaign. Um, and, um, you know, we felt that that really, um, was, you know, an element of big, because it was obviously, um, led by Amec. It really felt, uh, it, it was a proud moment to be able to, um, I guess, provide a submission that was best practice and, and is certainly world leading, um, thanks to Amec's work. Um, and, um, you know, that we certainly got some really great feedback um, from our submission, the fact that we, you know, we did go that extra length when it came to that measurement of, of that campaign that we, um, that we um, submitted and ended up getting a, a silver and bronze for that specific campaign, which, uh, you know, obviously our client
0: was, um, was thrilled with. Absolutely. No, it's, um, I think there's, there are so many things today that I could pull on. There are so, I, I feel like we could talk about this for hours and hours. Unfortunately, we don't have hours and hours. Um, so what I'm going to do is wrap up with one final question for you all. If you could make one change in measurement today, whether it's to eradicate something or add something or, um, you know, erase something from people's perception, what would it be? Should we start with Mazen?
3: Tough question. I think education, more education. We have the tools, we have the content, we have the process, we have the discipline, we have the expertise, we have everything it takes to get it right. What we need is more buy-in from all of our stakeholders internally and externally. And that would mean a significant and more impactful process of education than the one we've had so far. I think many organizations and people worldwide are doing great work in that regard, certainly Amic foremost among them. I think we need a lot more and I think uh, budgets on educating comms pros are very much part of that process. I think um, one more little thing uh, touching upon the concept of eradication would be banning all award entries um, at PRCA, CIPR, MEPRA, et cetera, which cite AVEs or AVE equivalents, vanity metrics, including potential reach, tertiary reach, uh, and other uh, metrics which simply make no no sense. Um, Show what you've thought about, show what you've analyzed, show how you've made an impact. Don't give me a fantastical number, and certainly don't present it when trying to show excellence at an awards.
0: Great response. I think um I think we could start a petition off the back of that absolutely. <laughs> so annabelle, what what is it that you would change if you could make one change today, what would it be? Uh, look, I mean on that education note, um,
2: I think uh, you know, if we had a industry wide uh, you know, a, a worldwide agreement that we've all aligned that from as of tomorrow we we have a certain uh, way of working or approach and we we all started to, as you said, educate the actual clients and, and organisations and C-suite about, you know, what actually, um, you know, illustrates, um, you know, illustrates performance and, and success, then that's what I'd like to see. I think making sure that we've got an industry-wide approach. I think there is still countries and agencies that still use ABEs. And um and I think then all of a sudden if you've got a client and their past agency used ABEs again, then you've got a another a, a battle when uh, it hands because their their previous agency used ABEs and we're trying to educate and try and pioneer a new way. And so there's constant challenges when it comes to that, so I think if we could have an industry-wide agreement and we all aligned, um, then hopefully the industry and, and all of our clients and organisations would be on the same page as well. It would make the education that much easier.
0: Amazing, thank you. I think we're all uh, the takeaway here is we're all anti-ABEs. <laughs> uh, Elise, you, uh, what what would you do if you could um, change anything? I think. Yeah, the AVE is an excellent example of
1: being stuck with the status quo. So I think if there's one thing, don't be afraid to test and learn. Fail forward, as they say. Keep learning. Silos were meant to be broken. Data without context is just data. I think just get out there, collaborate with people, understand the why. Don't be afraid to ask questions
0: and spend time on the brief. As Frances Bacon said, knowledge is power and in this instance, measurement is knowledge. To deliver the sharpest campaigns and continuously improve, measurement is key. A huge thank you to Mazen, Elise and Annabelle who have joined us today to talk about measurement and what it means in our industry and how we can all be doing better. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're not a MEPRA member and you'd like to join the community, please don't hesitate to reach out to community at MEPRA.org or head to our website. Thanks so much.